Hi everybody, today on Parenting News and the Culture War, we're gonna be talking about the COVID vaccine. I've been asked what I think about it and I'm gonna tell you what I think about it. And also there are six kids shows that push the leftist agenda that we're gonna talk about. You definitely wanna know about those. The Florida governor has done something else that's awesome. So we're gonna talk about that too. And is Hungary ahead of us in the culture war? Maybe. We'll talk about Burger King versus Chick-fil-A. And also we have Dimwits and Darlings, of course, and we have kind of a heartbreaking sort of comment on the YouTube, uh, YouTube comments that I'm gonna talk about a little bit. So that's all coming right up. Well, welcome back to Parenting News and the Culture War. I wanted to just ask you to think about turning on your notifications on this channel because right now I'm, I'm my staff. I, I don't have anybody else that does all of the workings, the editing and all that stuff. So I have to put up these videos when I have time to and so the, that you'll know when they're coming up, I'm gonna do them at least weekly, maybe bi-weekly, I'm not sure. Um, depends on how things go. And I'll be doing them more and more often the, when I get this set up a little differently. And so you want to know when those are coming out. So please be sure and subscribe if you haven't yet and hit those notifications. Alrighty. So first I want to talk about some good news from Governor DeSantis, uh, in Florida. Um, he actually signed a bill that would give a moment of silence. Actually, I think one to two minutes of silence in the classrooms in Florida. Uh, to allow children to pray if they want to, or just to meditate if they want to, or just be quiet or whatever. But it gives the opportunity for children to pray in school. And I think that's awesome. Good for him. So let's see what he has to say about that. Um, the idea that you can just push God out of every institution and be successful. I'm sorry, our founding fathers did not believe that. And so here to really uh, protect the religious freedom uh, of everybody who's going to school K through 12 in the state of Florida. Well, that is the second time I featured the Florida governor, DeSantis, in the three episodes I've done. He is doing great on the culture war. Good for him. Uh, prayer in school is something that is needed, and I appreciate very much what he's doing in Florida. So good for him. Uh, next, Hungary is ahead of us in the culture war, it seems. Um, I, I got this from the Daily Wire. Again, I do the Daily I watch the Daily Wire and all. Uh, thank you, by the way, my children who uh, paid for me to have a subscription to the Daily Wire. So that was really nice. That's why I have my nice little leftist tears mug here. Um, the Hungarian parliament passes a law banning showing LGBT content to minors. Wow, awesome. Lawmakers in Hungary passed a law Tuesday that would prohibit showing LGBT and transgender content to minors as a part of legislation to combat pedophilia. The ruling conservative party to which Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban belongs introduced the measure and the National Assembly passed the legislation with a 157 to 1 vote. Wow, that's really awesome. So uh, Hungary, good for you. Um, next, I wanted to mention, um, I'm, I know I'm going through some of this a little fast because I want to get to some things that are going to take a little more time, but I did want to mention the thing about Burger King uh, because I think you'd want to know. 
for those of us who like to take our children to hamburger restaurants sometimes. So here you are, you're in the car with the kids and you're deciding uh, you want to go get some fast food or something. Um, I just want to suggest you don't go to Burger King and I'll tell you why. Burger King is serving its cha-ching sandwich with a side of shade this June. This is by Today by Chrissy Callahan. So obviously it's going to be left-leaning because it's NBC, I think it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. To kick off Pride Month, and remember I call that Sex Month, the fast food chain recently announced on Twitter it would be donating 40 cents from the purchase of every cha-ching sold this month, up to a maximum donation of $250,000 to the human rights campaign, the country's largest LGBTQ advocacy group. Plenty of companies are lending their support to similar causes during Pride Month. But Burger King's tweets stood out for one reason in particular, and this is why, because if they're gonna stand out for this reason, I'm not going there. And I hope you don't either. I'm not, I'm not doing a formal boycott. Let's like, I'm just saying they're going to lose, you know, I'm not going there. Now that's of course to assume that I ever went there. I didn't, I didn't frequent Burger King anyway. I don't know when the last time is I went to Burger King. I don't particularly think their foods is that great. So, but as a part of this message, the chain took a not so subtle jab at Chick-fil-A by saying during hashtag pride month, even on Sundays, your chicken sandwich craving can be can do good with a glancing eye emoji. Now listen to this. This is, this is something I wanted you to think about when you look at this article or you hear this article now because I'm reading it to you. Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy is known for having strong Christian beliefs and cl closes the restaurant every Sunday. That's a neutral statement and it's true. Over the years, there you go. The fast food chain has been criticized for its support of anti-LGBTQ organizations. And Kathy has been criticized for his stance against same-sex marriage, as well as his family's history of donating to anti-gay groups. Okay, now you might think to yourself, that's true. But really, it's a slanted way to say what they're trying to say. And I'll tell you why. Because... I don't know that Chick-fil-A has actually ever given to an anti-LGBT group or organization, okay? Because a church or a charity, a Christian charity, isn't an anti-LGBTQ organization. That's not what they are. They are Christian organizations. It's like if you were to say uh, right to life is anti-abortion. Yes, that's because they were founded to be against Abortion. So they are an ant, that's their organization is an anti-abortion organization. Yes. And good for them. But a Christian organization wasn't set up to be anti-LGBTQ. A Christian organization is set up to advance the Christian gospel, to advance the Christian cause in some way, right? And because it's a Christian cause, or a family-oriented cause that is a biblical family, they say, therefore, they're an anti-LGBTQ organization, which, of course, they are against that agenda, but that's that's not what their organization is. And they're framing it that way to make it look worse or bad, which, of course, it isn't bad. It isn't bad to be against that agenda. I'm against it. 
I, I, I don't want that pushed on everyone. Uh, people can live the way they want. And sadly, they do sometimes live in a way that I don't agree with. But they have the right to do that. Sure. But pushing it on my children or pushing it on society is a whole different matter. Then, then I'm not okay with that. And that's the problem here. So instead of saying that, which they said, fast food chain has been criticized for its support of anti-LGBTQ organizations, and Kathy has been criticized for his stance against same-sex marriage, as well as his family's history of donating to anti-gay groups, they could have said a fair way to put it, which would have been this. The fast food chain has been criticized for its support of Christian organizations, who have a history of opposing their promotion of the LGBTQ agenda and the approval of same-sex marriage. That would be accurate. That would be accurate, and it wouldn't be framing it as if their organizations were set up just to be against the LGBT alphabet letter people. That's not, that's not what they were set up to do, okay? And all I can do is say, Let's be fair. Of course, I'm talking to the media when I say that, and, and that's not going to happen. I mean, that's clearly not going to happen. But um, it's it's good to understand and to think about the way things are framed in the media. They frame them in a certain way to make them sound a certain way because they're pushing their agenda the whole time. And that's really aggravating. I know. It's aggravating to me. I know it's probably aggravating to you. Um, but anyway, I wanted to mention that. So if you got your choice between Burger King and Chick-fil-A, Go to Chick-fil-A or anywhere else but Burger King at this point because they are pushing, they're like saying, doing a poke in the eye to Christians on purpose. So, all right. Yeah, I don't need to buy your hamburgers. Of course, they're, they're not going to lose anything from me, though, because I never go there anyway. So <laughs> maybe they will from you. I don't know. <laughs> you have to tell me in the, in the comments below whether you ever go there anyway. I don't. So. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to show you uh, before I get to the six shows that kids, kids shows that I want to tell you about and the thing I wanted to say about the COVID vaccine for kids is um, this video of a 15 year old. He is addressing the school board. And I thought it was interesting because as parents, I know that you're making decisions about your children's education and um, you're trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. I just want you to be aware of here's another example of a child walking into his school at the beginning of the year and he explains what happened at the beginning of the year and how the agenda was pushed right from the first first assembly. So let's listen to him. These schools. Um, despite the board's attempt to deny it, District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll take you. I'll take you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, he began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me, or half the kids that were in the class. Now, members of the board, I know you haven't been to school in a while, and I know most of the people, I know none of you, or most of you, don't have any kids left in the school district. Um, but you must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. So I'll never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter, but hearing the condolences given to other races 
and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students, pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing all lives matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS specific about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. So is that not racism? Disregarding my question merely because of the color of my skin. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more, and it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone, which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement, but from the, my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. My honors government teacher, I'm not going to say his name, but he's mentioned that Democrats care more about all people while Republicans only care about themselves. And he's also inferred to us that socialism is better than democracy. He even had a statue. He had a statue of a socialist leader in his classroom. Um, I have been, I've been told by a lot of kids that they just stay silent and adjust their schoolwork to reflect an acceptable opinion to secure a good grade. I've been approached by multiple teachers who have told me in private that they just want to say that they agree with me and they support me standing up, but they can't say it in front of the class for fear of being disciplined by the administration in some way or losing their jobs. There is clearly only one way to think in this district, and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now, members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on, on our students? A fellow coworker at my job, who by the way is of color, discreetly told me that the school seemed to be pushing a very leftist agenda in class. This proved that not everyone is happy with your school, and not everyone who isn't happy is white. Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned, and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And. And there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless of how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it, because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer. But I will never stop believing that everybody has value, no matter their skin color or personal beliefs. And it's a shame that you're not going to be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you. Okay, so all I did was see this video. I don't, I don't even know this, this young man's name. Um, I can say good for him. I think there was a little bit more um, arrogance in his speech than was necessary, but I think he still gave it to him and, and they needed to have it given to them, frankly. I'm going to stamp you a culture warrior. Good for you.
And if anybody knows his name, by the way, go ahead and put that in the comments below so I can tell him he's a culture warrior for me. Okay, so next are the six shows that I want to bring up. And there, this was an article by, um, her name is Megan Basham. I hope that's the way to pronounce it. Uh, and boy, did she bash him. Good for her. That's a perfect last name for her. <laughs> and she did a good job of it. Um, it's six kids shows that are pushing the LGBTQ agenda to preschoolers. And this was from the Daily Wire also. Another plug for them. Um, I'm going to go on past her, the first part where she's explaining it and just go straight to the, the gist. Um, of course, her first one on here, Blue's Clues. We already did that. Blue's Clues is a nope. The second one she has on here is Arthur, and that's by PBS. Now, you can figure PBS would be a left-leaning situation, but it says, In 2019, the award-winning series kicked off its 22nd season with a gay wedding. Little aardvark Arthur and his friends spend the episode, titled Mr. Ratburn and the Special Someone, trying to find out which lucky lady will be the bride of their beloved third-grade teacher. The end of the show reveals why their sleuthing has been unsuccessful. Mr. Ratburn is marrying a male chocolatier. Mr. Ratburn is married. I still can't believe it, Arthur says at the end. Yep, it's a brand new world, his friend responds. PBS Kids programs are designed to reflect the diversity of communities across the nation, PBS spokeswoman Maria Vera Wellen said in a statement addressing the controversy that ensued. We believe it is important to represent the wide array of adults in the lives of children who look to PBS Kids every day. So in other words, we're going to push this agenda on the kids and have them ask all kinds of questions about why a man is marrying a man. And you know what? I don't have a problem with a child asking that question at this point because obviously that's going to be all around them. What I have is that you make a program about it, making it sound like it's great when a lot of the parents don't think it is. They believe marriage is a man and a woman, and that's what they religiously believe. And they believe it anyway. A lot of people who aren't religious just believe that's to be, that's what marriage is, right? So you're pushing that agenda again. Uh, so Arthur is a nope. The next one she has is Doc McStuffins, and that's on Disney Junior. And, and I've never heard of this. I've never seen it and I've never heard of it. So. The series may, may be targeted at children aged two to five, but in 2017, an episode featured a lesbian couple voiced by actresses Portia de Rossi and Wanda Sykes, loosely sticking to the overall premise of the show in which a young girl nurses sick toys to health. Doc helps two dolls find their lost children after an earthquake. McStuffin's gay character and executive producer, Chris Nee, told the lesbian-oriented news site after Ellen, I want to be, I want to create characters who are incredibly accepting of each other and whatever is happening in their life. Doc McStuffins on Disney Junior is a nope. Next is My Pony, and that's by Discovery Family. Or My Little Pony, did I say that? Though a strange subculture of adult fans has grown up, Around the highly rated pony series, Friendship is Magic, the show's main demographic still is the youngest set. Thus, it shocked plenty of parents when a 2019 episode timed for Pride Month, again, I call that Sex Month, 
outed two characters. In The Last Crusade, the final episode of the season, the show reveals that ponies Aunt Holiday and Auntie Lofty aren't just roommates. They're romantically involved. Now, this is necessary for a two to five year old to know or to think about, right? No, it's not necessary. Why do that? It's not. The big moment comes when Holiday kisses Lofty on the forehead and calls her dear. I don't need to read the rest of that. Um, My Little Pony. Nope. Hey Dougie by Nick Jr. is the next one. Similar, similar to other vignette style series like Peppa Pig and Bluey, Hey Dougie's brightly colored seven minute episodes are perfect for distracting tots during a quick drive to the store or park. Now, again, this one, Hey Dougie, I haven't heard of it. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have. I haven't heard of it. So it's understandable that most adults miss the British imports. Ah, it's from Britain. Low-profile introduction of two gay crabs. In 2015's The Sandcastle Badge, the Squirrel Cup Club, a Boy Scout-like troop of young animals, earned badges by building a sandy house for Mr. Crab and his partner, Nigel. Um, it would be disingenuous to say that we didn't think about inclusivity, creator Grant Orchard told The Guardian last year, but we didn't want to be preachy with it. So in other words, we're going to stick it in really subtly just to, to, you know, tell these two to five-year-olds, it says the youngest set, um, that it's okay. So again, I don't understand why that's necessary. They're two to five. You don't have to push an agenda on two to five-year-olds. Not necessary. So, hey, Dougie, you are a nope. Okay, the next one is The Bravest Night on Hulu. I have to tell you, I didn't know about this one either. Clearly, 2019 was a tipping point for LGBTQ children's programming. The series about Pumpkin Farmer and his husband debuted on the streaming giant in June that year. Together, the dads helped their daughter, Nia, learn how to be a knight. Wilson Cruz, Star Trek's Discovery's Wilson Cruz. Okay, he's the one that was in charge of this or something. We're not explaining homosexuality or same-gender sexuality. We're talking about the love of a family. Yes, what they're doing is they're pushing an agenda on children unnecessarily. So the bravest night is a nope. So that was the six shows that you want to watch out for. And, you know, it's funny because I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't even have known of some of these. Maybe if I had little children, I would have known of them. Maybe you guys do. But I didn't know about them. But something I did want to say that was that I did find interesting, um, you know how... Uh, I think it was in the last episode, I said, I don't understand why these companies think that this stuff is okay with parents, you know, because I don't think it is. Parents aren't okay with this. They don't want their children thinking about all of the sex and romantic relationships between adults. They, they don't want their children thinking about that all the time or or that coming up or, or anything. They want their children to stay innocent and they don't think their programming should be pushing that. And uh, so uh, it was interesting on uh, June 14th, Nickelodeon's ratings crash amid LGBT push. That's not surprising, is it? It's not surprising to me or anybody else with a brain. There's growing evidence that Nickelodeon's hard push to promote the LGBTQ agenda to children is having a negative impact on the network's ratings. In the last two weeks, both Nickelodeon and its preschool-targeted network, Nick Jr., 
have released videos championing trans, queer, and pansexual inclusion. One video that sparked mass outrage depicted a cartoon version of the drag queen Nina West singing about various LGBTQRSTV groups. They have all the letters. Loving each other proudly on Blue's Clues and You, a show for two to five-year-olds. The same video showed a female to male transgender beaver who appeared to have post-operative surgical scars on his chest. Does a child need this? No, no. In a separate live action video Nickelodeon posted to YouTube last week, West explains the meanings behind the various sex flags, pride flags, through a song, which I showed you, okay? So the company also recently announced its reboot of Rugrats and that originally ran in the 90s to, to 2004 and will feature a single lesbian mom. So, you know, they're, they're, um, and it doesn't say here, I thought it did because I read it somewhere else, how bad they're crashing. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's here. Yeah, here it is. Okay, just a minute. Nickelodeon's viewership has dropped from 2017 till now has dropped 1.3 million average viewers per week in to June of 2021 with only 372,000. So they went from 1 million, 1.3 million viewers to 372,000 viewers. And you know, if I could uh, stamp dimwit parents, I would stamp the 372,000 children's parents dimwits at this point <laughs> to continue to let their children watch that. Come on. No, that's no. We already noped Nickelodeon. So, um, and the reason they're noped is for this very reason, what they're doing. And that's why they're losing ratings because parents don't want that. You know, they don't. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the COVID vaccine because I know that there are Parents who are concerned about that, they're asking questions about that, and um, I've been asked for my opinion. So I, I want to say first that what I'm going to read here is from the American Academy, Academy of Pediatrics. And, and I'd like to ask, if you're a parent and you're thinking about this, I ask that you have a logical thought process in making decisions about what's going to go on with your child. Logical process of thought. In, in my view, vaccines are good for children if they prevent a disease that is going to harm children. If, if the disease is likely to cause harm to the child and it's likely to spread to other children and harm them as well, um, and that's proven to be the case, then I think giving them a vaccine to help that be prevented is a great thing. My children have all been vaccinated against diseases like polio, measles, rubella, you know, uh, mumps, those things, because they can cause real harm to children, and they likely would if they get it. There's a very high percentage of children who could be harmed by this. You want to do a vaccine for that. That makes sense, right? But I don't believe that a vaccine should be given to children if the disease is not something that would likely harm them. I don't think so. So let's look at it logically. Let's just look at it logically, not with the propaganda going on, but let's look at the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC's own statistics about 
COVID, okay? Because the COVID vaccine is the one we're talking about here, not the other ones. So just, I'm not gonna read all of this right here, but I am going to read one line here and then I'm gonna give you some of the stats and you can look it up yourself if you want to, but I'm not gonna read it all. At this time, it still appears that severe illness due to COVID-19 is rare among children. At this point, that's still, and this was this was an article in June, okay? So, so, so let's look at what does that mean as far as rare among children? What does that mean? So let's see, the cumulative number of children, of child COVID-19 cases. So 4,852,000, I'm sorry, 4,008,572 total child COVID-19 cases reported and children represented 14.1% of all cases. Okay, so this is all cases. This means they were, they were diagnosed with it, but they have no symptoms. This is extremely mild symptoms. Uh, to to death. I mean, all of the all of the children that have had it. Uh, it's all of those cases are combined here, right? So the overall rate for children to actually get it is out of a hundred thousand children, five thousand three hundred twenty six children got it. So statistically, that's very low that they got it. Now. Now let's look at what, how they got, you know, what they got. Once they got it, what does that mean? Children were 1.4% to 3.2% of the total reported hospitalizations between 0.1% and 1.9% of all child COVID cases resulted in hospitalization. So out of the 100,000 children, 5,000-ish actually got COVID at all. Then out of those cases, only 0.1 to 1.9 of all of those cases were hospitalized. Now, we're talking about a very small percentage now of children who were hospitalized at all. And then we're including all children. So we're including children who have all kinds of uh, immune deficiencies too. This is not just, this is not just healthy children. This is children you have to include that have immune deficiencies. So would be more susceptible to some not being able to fight off a virus or whatever, right? So now we're talking about an infantile amount of children who would be susceptible, who would get it, and who would be hospitalized, okay? So that's really small. Then children were 0% to 0.23% of all the COVID deaths, and eight states reported zero child deaths. In the states reporting 0 to 0.03% of all child COVID cases resulted in death. So in other words, the idea that your child would even get COVID and have a serious reaction to it is very small already. Then if they did have a serious reaction to it and it had to be hospitalized, it's even smaller percentage that would actually die of it. We're talking about a very unlikely situation that your child will be affected in any serious way by COVID. Now, I had a teenager that had COVID. He had it. He was sick for a couple of days, maybe, you know, just tired. And he never really got much of a fever or anything. I don't think he got a fever, but he was tired and, and that kind of thing. Um, and he had a little bit of a cough, but not much. Uh, and then he got over it just like any other virus, you know. Um, and I'm not saying that happens to everybody, but, but generally 
that's about the seriousness of it for most kids if they have any symptoms at all. So now with all that information, knowing that, why would we vaccinate for that? Why would we vaccinate children for that? Especially for a virus that's been around for such a short time that we've been able to actually, I mean, COVID-19 that we've actually been able to study for very long, especially when we don't know the long-term effects of either COVID-19 on children or a vaccine for COVID-19 on children. We don't know the long-term effects. There's no way we could, right? So why would we vaccinate them against something that's probably not going to hurt them anyway? More than likely, it's not going to. And if it did, you're introducing something into their body that you don't know what the long-term, long-term effects of that are because there's no studies on that. So logically thinking, I don't care what all these people say on TV and all these um, articles and, and stuff that are coming out to get everybody vaccinated and all this stuff. Think about it logically. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, if there's something that I don't know, there's some, I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear people's opinions without facts. I I, I mean, if you want to write comments, fine. Comments help my algorithm. So that's fine. Go ahead and comment. (laughs) Uh, If you're going to comment, I'm just asking, give me some facts that would say, yes, it's better for them to get vaccinated with statistics. Because what I'm seeing is it doesn't make sense to do that. It doesn't. So, that's my idea. I don't, I don't think that children should get vaccinated for COVID because that's my personal opinion. And, and I have reasons for it. I just, I guess, gave them to you. I, I don't see the reason for that. So that's my opinion. Um, so next, we're going to do dimwits and darlings. Okay, so related to what I just said about COVID vaccines, um, whether it's COVID or not, um, when you look at all these facts about the COVID vaccine, if you are going to have your child vaccinated for something, you'd want to know all of this information first and make your decision based on the information, right? You would. I have to say it's a dimwit parent to put your infant or child in a trial for a vaccine that has not been tested long-term on anyone and that you don't know what the long-term effects of the disease are and that their children are less likely to get anything from it. And you could already look that up and know that. Here's some parents that put their children in the trial. Today, kids as young as six months old are taking part in trials for both Moderna and Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccines with their parents' consent. Far away. Dr. Zena Good enrolled both her sons in Stanford Hospital's Pfizer trial. So we thought participating is a really good way to um, protect our kids. And uh, so far, because this uh, vaccine has been tested in um, a lot of uh, teenagers and so many adults, and it was shown very safe, we felt pretty comfortable uh, to participate. Seven-month-old Soren, one of the youngest in the trial, received his first shot last week. Mom says he's doing well. His older brother, three-year-old Ando, also got the shot. Did he experience any side effects from the vaccine? He had a sore arm for like for a day and was a little bit low on energy for like a day, but yes, that's not, uh, not much. We're not sure it's even side effects. He might have just 
you know, been tired that morning. Dr. Good is an immunologist who has studied the virus at length and says she and her husband are confident in the safety of the vaccine. The data is very clear. Um, those who get vaccines, like these um, mRNA vaccines at least, they are protected and they don't really have any any like real like uh, side effects or long-term, long-term consequences. Dr. Angela LaCour's three-year-old daughter is also in the trial. Hey, how about that? That's it. Look at you, brave kid. Gosh, you are the brave. She says she feels strongly that doing this isn't just about keeping her child safe. We're just so lucky that we have a healthy child um, and so grateful that she's able to be part of this, but I think knowing that there are so many other parents out there whose children are vulnerable and, and maybe struggling and they're really waiting for the vaccine to become a reality, her being able to be part of this and make that as a reality for other families. And as a mom, I can't imagine what that fear must be like for them. I, we're just so proud of her. Outside of a fever, a rash at the injection site, did they talk to you about any potential side effects? I know that in very extreme and rare circumstances, like they couldn't even give us a rate for this, there's the risk of anaphylaxis. Um, and again, she hasn't had a, any kind of reaction to other vaccines, so not something I was very concerned about. But it also brought us a lot of comfort that we were doing this across the street from the hospital. Both families tell ABC News they understand the potential risks of taking part in the trial, but believe any risks are far outweighed by the potential protection of the vaccine. When it comes down to it, it's about weighing the risks. What are the risks to the vaccine and what are the risks to the virus? And the risks of the virus are pretty clear. Okay, so these parents seem like reasonable people, but then you listen to what they say, and I think to myself, why would you offer up your child to be a guinea pig for something like that? I mean, even the woman says, I'm so glad I have a healthy child, but some other people don't have healthy children. So I'm going to offer up my child to be tried and, and, and be the guinea pig or whatever for this. There is no way I would do that with my child. No way. Especially if we're talking about a vaccine that is going to try to prevent a disease that doesn't even hurt children most of the time. It doesn't. So they're introducing something into the body of the child that they do not know what is going to happen years down the road. And they can, if they look up the stats, recognize that this is probably not going to hurt their child if they get it naturally. It's probably not going to hurt their child, although, again, we don't know what the long-term effects are. Why would you do that? And then on top of that, this parents, one of these parents says something about it was so nice that there was a hospital across the street. Why? Why is it nice it's a hospital across the street? Because something could happen to your child, right? That you just did to them? Yes. And then they say that they're proud of their child. Their child didn't do anything. Your child didn't have a choice. You're putting something in their body that is to see and to make sure that it's going to be safe for everyone else. That I'm that's a dimwit parent in my view. So I, I have to stamp them dimwit parents. So the next one is the darling parent. Um, this was one I found, you know, and I want to say, guys, if you know any darling parents, please put them in the comments below or message me with, with, with darling parents. I took like an hour and a half looking online for, for parents that I could feature in my darling parent. I could find tons of dimwit parents, but darling parents were hard to find. Um, so if you know of one, 
please send it to me. I, I'd really love to feature some parents who are doing some awesome things. And there are some that are standing up to the school board and everything, but I don't want everyone that I do to be just parents standing at the school board, although that's great. Good for them. Um, but this is Tabitha Guerrero. Uh, she is teaching her children, or she was teaching her children this last fall, about um, making sure that they learn about the value of money. And to earn money, they want something, which was good. Good for her. The price for a cup of ice-cold lemonade. Seven-year-old Fernanda and six-year-old Benjamin Guerrero set up their stand with a goal in mind. We were doing this to get a tablet. And a lesson from mom. So I had to explain to them that you have to work to get money. If not, it ain't going to come. It don't grow on trees. So for two hours on Sunday. Every car that drove by, they were up with their sign, lemonade, 50 cents. Eventually, a black SUV drove up to the stand. He's like, yeah, give me one cup. And they go, okay, it'll be 50 cents. He handed them a $5 bill each first. He uh, asked us, what are you doing this for? And we were like, a tablet. And he, he was like, what kind? And we said, we don't know yet. He goes, you know what? I have a tablet at home. When I get back, I'll go and I'll reset it and I'll bring it over to you guys. Just a couple hours later. And like 6.45, 6.50, my doorbell rings. And he goes, here, I, was, I told you guys I'd bring you the tablet. Here it is. And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> Were you surprised that a stranger would give you that? Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. he was nice. A lesson about the value of a dollar turned into one about the kindness of strangers and the importance of paying it forward. I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna have them go through their toys so we can donate them to somebody else and just keep moving it forward. Reporting in Independence. Oh, uh, thank you so much. We will love the tablet. Cat Read 41 Action News. Okay, so I, I don't I don't know her, but I want to say that she has the right idea. Her children wanted something, and she helps them find a way to try to earn it. And this man that came and gave the tablet, I'm like, okay, I can understand why he'd do that. That kind of defeated the purpose a little bit, didn't it? Because <laughs> then they were just giving it. Um, probably would have been better to say, hey, if you earn this much money, then you get this this iPad, you know, and then he he actually allows them to buy it just for them to have the experience of earning it and buying it, which is what she was trying to do. But, you know, he was trying to be nice. And I think that was that was a good idea. So I just want to say good for you, Tabitha. I want to stamp you a darling parent. Okay, so now I'm going to get to the YouTube uh, comments. Before I do, I want to remind you I have this book. It is How to Train Your Child to Behave, The Ultimate Guide to Transforming Your Child's Behavior by Holly McLean. You can find this on Amazon, and I hope you will. And I am going to make an audio book of that when I get a chance. I am working on that, so I'll get to it. But I wanted to get to the YouTube comments, so I have to look them up here. I'm not going to say who it's from because her name wasn't appropriate, but uh, literally, she uses that word a couple times, so she has a lot of literally going on. What is wrong with showing kids pride flags? Literally, she says again, I have a five-year-old brother who hasn't been shown much about the LGBT community, and he already said a few months ago that he wants to marry a boy in his class, LOL. Now he has a girlfriend, LOL. Who knows what that means? Uh, is it really a girlfriend? I don't know. Who knows? Now, when you listen to the rest of what she says, it's like, um, no, he has not been exposed to very much. Yes, he has. <laughs> listen to the rest of this. 
Uh, and I'm almost 13 and I have loads of G LGBT friends that are around my age. So her five-year-old brother hasn't been exposed to this much. Yes, he has, clearly. My 11-year-old sister is a lesbian, but the five-year-old hasn't been exposed to this much. Um, she has a 10-year-old girlfriend who is questioning their gender. She also has a nine-year-old lesbian friend. My ex-boyfriend found out he is bi, he was bi when he was nine and tried for years to make himself straight because of his religion and stuff, but eventually learned to accept himself. Now, before I read the rest of this, isn't that sad? I mean, I am just so sad for this poor 13-year-old girl. She's, she is surrounded by this. And she thinks her little five-year-old brother hasn't been exposed to it much. Obviously he has. <laughs> Obviously. This is just so sad. The suicide rate is more than twice as high for LGBT youth and a lot of the time heterosexists, people who are using heterosexists instead of homophobic because of a bunch of reasons like homophobic makes it sound like a fear when it's just simply hatred. So she's assuming that if you aren't agreeing with the way people behave in this way, then you hate them. Of course, that's more of the rhetoric that she's learned. Anyways, she says, heterosexist people like you, me, uh, like it's somehow our fault for the high suicide rate when in reality, it's the hate towards the LGBT youth and the irresure, I don't know what that means, that is the reason. If we were more accepted, I almost, I, I'm sorry I have to read it the way she wrote it. I almost all of my friends who struggle with self-harm and have a lot, I have a lot of friends with issues like that would likely not have started. Okay, just, just where we are right now. I, I, I don't know that I'll read all of this. I probably won't, but, um, this poor 13 year old has been inundated with this stuff throughout her life. And she has a lot of friends who have also been inundated with this, indoctrinated with this. Now they're all confused. There's suicide thoughts going on. They're self-harming themselves. And she has a lot of friends like that. Of course she does, because she's in a situation where all of these children are confused and hurting. They're hurting and confused because their parents are dimwits, obviously. So I'll just tell you what I wrote to her. I am so sorry for all your confusion and that of your family and friends. At your age, finding hobbies, going out with friends for a sports game or movie night, and stopping by for an ice cream after should be the extent of your social life. Having young children even before puberty, making life-changing decisions in heavily emotional relationships is harmful and wrong. The reason suicide is high is not because of oppression. It is because of confusion over one's basic identity and the feeling of never having it resolved or believing a huge mistake has been made. Always remember this. You do not have to continue in this situation, nor do your friends. I'm so sorry you do not have parents who have helped you recognize truth and reality and have allowed your life to be consumed in this way. You can change this when you come to the point of desperation in your life. Remember that. I put, that's what I put to her. But one of the things she says is it isn't all consuming in her life. 
but she is a, a one who has struggled with suicide thoughts before. Um, and so I, I ask her, well, she says it isn't all consuming because I said it was all consuming. Well, why would you take your life over it if it's not all consuming? It, it, of course it is. It's your whole identity. I forgot to take this off. I hope these aren't glaring the whole time. <laughs> I don't know if they're glaring or not. Hopefully they're, I have to do it because I'm old and I have to read. Um, it's just sad. This whole thing, I just feel so sad for her. And I just wish that there was someone that could help her. Of course, I don't know her. I don't know where she's from or anything like that. But I'm, I'm really sorry that she is in that situation. And I, I hope the best for her. I hope, I hope that, you know, she's able to find her way out of that situation and, um, and her family is going to heal at some point. So that's sad. There were some other good comments I had, um, people that agreed and that kind of thing. But if you would like to leave a comment below, I may read yours at the next episode. I want to thank you for joining me today and I hope that I'll see you next time. Remember parents, we can win this. <laughs>